weekly, we get together every week to build our probate business. I'm Bill Gross, I'm a real estate broker, practitioner in probate real estate here in Los Angeles, California, building a national team of real estate agents in the probate space. And what we do here is talk about how to build a probate business. So I want to talk to you. I had, a, I had a guest speaker canceled, you know, full disclosure. Last week I did as well. That was mine. He had told me he and his wife were expecting a child. And we kind of, I wanted to squeeze him in, and, and we, took a, we took too soon a date. And so he'll come back at another time. This week was a vendor, and I, I'm sorry that, you know, I let that happen. That was, that was me bad, uh, uh, bad um, uh, vetting. But I, I have this event, this uh, weekly podcast, planned out where we're gonna, I'm going to do it half topics and half uh, interviews. And so I have some topics I think are important. I want to talk today specifically about building your business, the principles that go into building the business. I see on the call uh, one of our favorite attorneys, Jack Lapidus, as if you can like an attorney, if you could, they would look like Jack Lapidus. Uh, I know it's hard to like attorneys. Jack is a local realtor in the Valley. And uh, he's a he's a hard to believe an attorney you can trust. But so he saw some of this concept yesterday. Um, so if he'd forgive me, I'm going to share a little bit about the concepts of building a business in probate real estate. That's okay. I, I wasn't listening yesterday. Good. You probably aren't going to listen now either. You're probably going to put us on mute and listen to UCLA basketball or something stupid. So anyhow, uh, <laughs> uh, I. Every day I talk to real estate agents or professionals who want to build, who tell me I want to build a business. You know, Bill, I, I sold a bunch of houses. I took a year off. This is a, a typical story. I took a year off to take care of my family member, or I, you know, I took a year off because of health. Or I took a year off because of whatever, which I interpret that to mean you didn't do any business development, and because you didn't have a business in place, you didn't get any new deals. In a in a non-competitive environment, in an unrealistic market like up until a year ago, you know, if you're in real estate, the phone rang because there's so much business, it kind of came in. You couldn't help but get hit in the face of the deal. But starting back when the market got normal again, about six months ago or so, if you're not generating business, you don't get any business. If you just wait for the phone to ring, other people like me are grabbing your center of influence and intercepting those deals and working hard to get that business. And so now there are people who say, well, I want to get started again but they haven't done the business development. They haven't built a business. Or another way to look at that is they were like employees working for a commission check at 100% minus expenses, not building a business. And what's the distinction? So I, I want to kind of share a couple concepts with you. Before I do just a couple resources I want to share with you associated with this call that are free because I'm building a business and I want to help you build your business. I think these are tools that can help you. One is, I have a Facebook group, Probate Experts. I have about 2,300 members. It's free to join. You can go in there and post, look for referrals, post uh, content related to probate. I don't let content in that's not probate related because nobody wants to be pitched another way to make money from some multi-level marketing. And then I put my content there that I use to build my probate business. So you're welcome to repost, to use, to comment on, to share, to copy, to research, whatever you want to do with it. As well as I'm anxious to have any other vendors related to probate participate and post there. Attorneys I have occasionally and so on. So that's probate experts in the Facebook group. My YouTube channel, people often ask me questions and usually by this stage, and I've been doing this for four years, I probably have a YouTube on that topic. My YouTube channel is my name, uh, at Bill Gross EXP. 
So if you go to youtube.com slash billgrossexp, that's my YouTube channel. Every episode of this show is recorded and put into the uh, uh, playlist. And you can access those at episodes.probateweekly.com. You can register for the program at probateweekly.com or see the past episodes at episodes.probateweekly.com. So those are the resources I have that are free to help you along with me build a business. Now, why do I do this call and how can this help you? So, you know, there's another word for the mafia. The word that they use is la cosa nostra, which in Italian, similar to Spanish, means la cosa, the thing, nostra, or nuestra in, English, in Spanish, which is our thing. This is my thing, but it's meant to be our thing. That as a, as a practitioner in business, I think there's nothing that we can't do on our own. We just can't do it on our own. So why do I do this? I need colleagues. I need to learn. I need leverage so when I call an attorney or a vendor, I'm more important than the average realtor. And I'm willing to give you that as well. You all could say you're a probate expert because you took a certificate or a class. You also could say you're a probate expert because you're in the Facebook group probate experts, because you study probate experts. You're amongst a group of peers of probate experts. Um, or you can just learn the material and let your expertise speak for itself. That's my goal. I don't really think I'm an expert because I took, I've taken five different certifications. I don't think that's what makes me an expert. What makes me an expert is every day I'm learning about the probate business to be better than any other realtor I might go up against. And I'm going to urge you to join me in that practice. That's our thing. That's my thing, but I want to make it our thing. So that's why when you look at the name of this event, uh, I call it Probate Weekly. Why? Because it is, number one, focused on what I want to do, which is build a probate-based business. And I believe that we all need to have certain activities done on a regular basis and some weekly events we need involve working with colleagues. That's why I call it weekly. That's why I host it weekly. That's why I do this every single week. It's not enough to do a class once in your career, get a little icon and put it in your email address and call yourself an expert. Now you can do that and if it works for you, good for you. But for me, a feeling of expertise in my heart comes from the fact that I'm on this hunt all the time. That's why it's probate weekly. And so literally every day, for example, this morning, I'm talking to a lady who tells me she wants to build her business. I've talked to several every day, but one in particular comes to mind. How do I do it? Can you, can you coach me? Can you, you know, sell me something to make me an expert? Basically, she's asking me, can I give her a pill that she can take and become an expert and be showered with business? No, I can't do that. I, I, believe me, if there was such a pill, I'd be overdosing on them. Who besides me like to overdose on the success pill? Just curious. Who would like to take a pill and have so many listings you know what to do with yourself? Anybody besides me? Right? Absolutely. I'll give you a hint. The more you participate, the more money you make. So, so what, is the, what is the magic pill? The real magic pill is work hard every day. Now, when I say every day, I mean five days a week. I don't mean seven. And I don't mean 24-7. I mean five days a week. Put a good eight hours in every day. When you start, maybe a little bit more. When you're younger, a little bit more. But really, you don't need to if you work smart. But you got to do it every day. And certain activities are every week, 
like sharpening your skill, like sharpening your axe, if you're going to work in a, in a chopping down trees. Hence probate weekly. It's why I have the event weekly. Why is it probate? So I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the broad timeline of this industry. The, the funny part is, if you really catch me in a moment of truth, I'll say to you, it's not really I'm in probate real estate. Really, I look for problem real estate because if I solve the problem, I get paid either on that deal or I get paid in the future somehow. That's just how life works. Most real estate people complain about the problems on their deals. Real probate agents brag about it. That's their badge of honor. I had this deal with these 12 knots in it and I untied all the knots and I got paid by selling the house. So for me, probate on the timeline of real estate, probate defines for me a specific niche. For me, that means the period of time right before an estate files probate and right after. That's where I focus on the whole timeline we'll talk about in just a second. So I, the two words in my mind are probate and weekly, that's why we have this event. So I want you to think about being as strategic as that. The other thing I want you to think about before I get into the timeline, this was from my coach, um, um, Casey Eberhardt. And this was, this was from a um, uh, presentation that he gave, or a, a, a post he had, network times database times leverage equals exponential growth. So if you want to build your business, um, the way you do that is you build a network, hence Probate Weekly and my Probate Facebook group and a couple other things I have going on, times your database, you want to capture all the names and phone numbers of the people that want to work with you times leverage how do you leverage that information into business that's how you grow a business so it used to be that i would go to court when i started my probate business i went to court every day to generate business so the network where the people were in the courthouse the database for people i met i add them in my database i leveraged them by social media and that's how i built my business so my question for you is what's your network what's your database do you have one? How are you leveraging the database? Those three things combined are your business. Now, if you're interested in more, you know, I, I promote Casey Eberhardt's program. Um, why? Because he is my network marketing coach. And whatever business you're in, I believe these principles will help you. And if you're interested, I'll put in the chat box, it's right here is the link. Uh, for um, the upcoming event. He has a networking riches event every uh, month. It's going to be March 11th to 12th, Saturday, Sunday. If you're in the chat box there, you can click on it. It's free. Two days free. Networking fundamentals, how to build your network, how to build your database, and how to leverage it. And those are the business fundamentals. So you have to apply those fundamentals to your network, your database, and leverage them. So what I want to talk about today is where on the timeline of a probate deal is your business focused. So I worked on this in another call I did earlier this week. This is the timeline of a prospect. 
And so I want you to think about it on a calendar that any individual deal might be. Before need, before they need to do anything, they're not even thinking about probate. Nobody's died yet. We, who here besides me has customers who are pre-need probate? They might need probate in a year or two, but they don't need it today. Right? We all do. You're, you're normal customers. So you could market to them. I was on a presentation by Forest Lawn. It was really nice on how you can plan ahead, the things you should think about, not just estate planning things, but also within the confines of, you know, when somebody passes, what kind of service you want, where you want it, locations. You know, there is on one hand kind of morbid, on the other hand, having seen people who plan and people who don't, um, I'd like to have a little bit of insight into what that could look like for myself. Uh, but maybe that's not for you. That's okay. If it's not for you, that's fine. It's nice that my wife and I both have both our parents in the same cemetery within walking distance. It's a nice thing. Not for everybody, but it was nice for us. In the timeline after need is somebody passes. They need to know how to work with a coroner, a funeral home, spiritual needs, a rabbi or pastor, financial issues, grief counseling. All those are right when somebody passes. So think of that as D minus zero. Those things are all things that immediately they need to get into. Then at some point in time, they're getting ready to file a probate. Now, for some people, that could be day 30. Other people, that can be five years. But there's a period of time between somebody passes before they file that they're getting ready to. They're thinking about it. They're learning about it. They're talking about it. They're searching online about it. That's getting ready to file, period. And then there's they, they actually file with the court, either with an attorney and or they use a paralegal or they do it on their own. And at that point, you can market to the attorney and or you can market to the petitioner. So there's two different ways. <clears throat> then once they file, they're in court. There are people who have you know, probate processes and problems. Then once they're in court and filed, they get approved. But before they get approved, they don't yet have letters. They still can't do anything. That is once they have the letters. Then there are people who have letters, and then they can sell the property. They might not sell it right away. They might tell you they don't plan to sell the property, and they don't sell it for three years. Do you keep in touch with them? A normal realtor, when you door knock, you meet somebody that likes you and whatever, you keep their contact info, you market them. Three years later when they sell the property, you're the person. For some reason, some probate realtors think they don't need, to, they don't need that business. But if everybody you met today, you kept a market to, when they sold three years later, you have a chance to be that agent. And then last, once they sell the property, what do they do with the money, with the property or the cash? There are real estate agents who make a living just working that investment properties multifamily properties wealth management and such so here's my question where in this timeline are you putting your activity and energy or focus because some of you will say well, oh all of it you can't do all of it i can't do all of it i'm pretty active i've got eight virtual assistants i work pretty quickly i use technology i can't market all of them i focus my energies on really on C and D. And really, that's not quite right, C, D, and E. Really, right once they file, I, they have problems, I'm gonna fix them right away. That's the area that I work, I really don't work with the rest. 
Not to say I don't do business with the rest, but this is the whole timeline. Laser focus in your, gener your business journey activities and the tighter you are in it, the more value you can create for people. And then you can add more pieces as you build out your business. But you gotta do some of these, you have to do one of them really, really well. Like I think I'm the best in LA on properties that have to be sold at court. I don't think there's anybody who's seen as many as me or knows as much about the process as I do. It's a very narrow niche, but from that niche, I've added different pieces along the way. So what you think about is strategically your business, who's the customer, what problem do you solve uniquely? And somewhere in that timeline, it's not the whole thing. And as you market to people, to go back to what I said before, your network, the database of people, I mean, every time you talk to somebody, they go in your database. And then how do you leverage that? What do you do with them to stay in touch with them regularly so that it turns into business? Some of you have been on this call numerous times. That's, that is my opportunity to, to market to you numerous times. Hopefully, I'm in a position when you know somebody who needs probate real estate dealt with, I'm the person you call. Maybe you're a referral of a realtor, maybe you're a vendor on this call, maybe you're a petitioner, right? But if I, the more times I talk to you, the more likely that you are to do business with me. Does that make sense? So what you want you to think about is there's no difference here than any other business. You have to have a clear strategy and a clear idea of where in the marketplace you are. You can't just sit there and say, well, I'm a probate expert. I passed this guy's class and expect to get business. You've got to try to talk to everybody you can in that spot in the market where you're doing business. Okay, I've done a lot of talking. Questions? If you're watching live, we see we've got a big group on um, YouTube and Facebook. If you put questions there, here we go. Um, Horace, I received an affidavit of death list from the title company. How do I approach these? And how do you suggest the best utilize the list? So, so Horace is asking me, this is something that title companies and data companies recommend all the time. I, I personally don't know anybody who's using this successfully, Horace. I hate to, I'm going to rain your parade. But the problem is you can't just call, to, to, to clarify, he's marking to what's called pre-probates. This, this thing that companies offer sounds like a magic pill. Well, not only, you know, probates are competitive. Well, we have pre-probates. What is that? Somebody died. Theoretically, they're taking the list of who died cross-referencing them against people who own property, giving a list of people who died who are entitled to property. Now, the majority of those people either have a spouse or the deeds with a, uh, a joint tenantry set up or it's held in the trust. That's not to say that some of them aren't worthy of calling, but cold calling somebody just because somebody died, to me, seems like a, a long way up to getting into business. And so I haven't figured out how to do that. I have not, if anybody on this call, I've said this 20 times on different calls. If anybody on this call prospects pre-probate successfully, I'd love you to have you raise your hand and share and tell us about it. I don't know anybody who does it. Um, because it's, think about, hi, uh, this is Bill Gross calling, I'm a realtor. I see that your dad died. Do you need to sell your property? Or you don't mention they died and you just ask, 
they have a house to sell, but then what advantage do they have over anybody else who has property? So I don't, Horace, I, I, again, on the timeline, that's pre-probate. Is before, you know, it's after they died and before they, they know they need to file. Um, Jack, you raising your hand or just combing your hair? I'm sorry. Uh, at first I raised my hand, then I was touching where my hair used to be. Okay. Uh, actually, B Billy Crystal had a joke, I think it was when Harry met Sally, about combining uh, obituaries with real estate listings. Uh, so he was a man ahead of his time. How about that? Well, um, thank you for sharing that bit of, midi of movie trivia. Um, attorney Jack Lapidus. I'm going to look that up. That's interesting. I, I, it, it's one of those things. Always adding value. Thank you. It's one of those things in business that it sounds like it makes sense, but it's only being promoted in my experience by people not doing it. Like, I'm not going to tell you to do it because I'm not doing it. I'm, if I know somebody's doing it, I'll tell you. I know somebody's doing it. Like, I know a guy who cold calls petitioners every day for three hours. He was a Mike Ferry expired kind of guy. And he got, and he still does call expires and fisbos, and now he calls probates as well, and he does well with that. But he also is the kind of guy who'll call three hours a day and train and likes doing that and whatever. I'll tell you, I think he's better than that, and I also tell you that's a bit of a of a hamster wheel because if the only way you get business is because you're calling three hours a day, once you stop, it stops or slows down and then stops. And the goal is to build a business. A business uh, has activities that go on that you don't have to do. Um, I run certain meetings, not uh, like this one. I don't cold call people to come here. I have systems in place that drive an audience here. And then I have a systems in place that puts the video in front of other people and people watch it. As a result of that, today we have 34 people live on the Zoom. We've got another 20 or 30 on social media. We'll have about another 200 views in the next week through social media. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just here talking. That's called a business. When you, when you uh, call, stop cold calling, uh, the business kind of stops. You have to have something that kind of keeps that, that going. Social media is so powerful. My videos, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm sharing with you what's possible. I'm just me. My videos are like averaging a little less than 24 hours a day, about 20 hours a day. Somebody's watching my video. I don't work 20 hours a day. I work eight hours a day. Five days a week, seven days a week, people watch my videos. That's the power of leverage. When you have a business, you can leverage systems to build business for yourself. That's what I'm trying to reach out to you guys to do. I'll share with you personally, I'm not saying this to recruit, but just to share. I built my business in LA County. I used to, I still do track every single court confirmation sale in Los Angeles County. I look at them to learn how to be a better listing agent and how to get listings. I also look for opportunities for investors to buy those properties at overbid. One of my clients and I started doing the same thing in Orange County in San Diego. There's a lot less. There's not as many as LA, but if we do Orange and San Diego and Riverside and San Bernardino and Ventura, we'll double our reach to, to double the size that we do in LA. And so I'm looking for a team member who wants to go to court at least once a week in each of those locations because that's what's required. If you want to do the job, you have to do it well. So I've been in discussion with somebody today in Ventura. I was talking to somebody else about San Diego, but it, it's work. This isn't, I'm not saying to somebody, oh, join my team and we'll magically give you leads. I'm saying to somebody, here's what I've done and here's what I do, and maybe we can work on it together and make some money together. Rafael, you will go to Ventura. Let's talk. Um, 
Anybody wants to talk to me after the call, I'm not sure I'll be available necessarily right to call, call today, but call me, text me. Uh, uh, I'd be glad to um, uh, look. I'm looking for a team member. And I will say one of the requirements just up front is the only way this works is the agent has to join EXP Realty under my uh, sponsorship because that's how I get paid. I don't want to charge a team member commission. I don't want to be in that business of a team where I take 20% of your commission. I don't want to do that. ESP has devised a system where I can get some of the company dollar. I feel more comfortable doing that. But that said, um, um, Raphael, I'm, I'll take your information down, Raphael, and we can talk afterwards. Great. But it's a business. What's the business look like? The business looks like you go to court. The business looks like we have a database of of all the sales, we learn what the competitors are doing and, and both to uh, improve on them and to know the competition, to be able to offer what we can do better. And then we go out certain activities that we know work in LA, those same activities work in other areas. I bid on a property just yesterday uh, in San Diego. We didn't get it, but I do know that uh, the average bidder gets about one in four when they bid, and I average about one in three. And so you know, we bid on one, then another, and we, I was in Orange County two weeks ago, San Diego yesterday. You know, we're due for the next one, so uh, that's just how business works. Okay, so questions, comments. Again, regarding the business of building a probate real estate business, we have to remember that we're building a business. This isn't a job. This isn't about getting commission checks. Though I got a commission check today in deposit. I still love, there's still nothing like getting the check. Now, I will share with you one of the features of EXP is we get, usually our checks come auto deposit. They get wired from the escrow to us if you pay the fee, uh, or I guess you could pick it up or mail it. Today, this escrow company would only wire it if I sent them notarized original wire instructions. I said, well, I'm not going to send you wire instructions notarized to have you send me back my wire. So they FedExed the check. So I actually got a check today. It feels nice to tear it off put it on my phone, deposit the money. There's nothing better than depositing checks. So I'm all about the check uh, from a closing. But again, I'm a practitioner here. I'm actually doing this business. So those of you who want to build your probate business, what's your challenge today? What's your biggest challenge? Share that. If you have a question on it, great. If you don't, let's talk about it. Because growth comes through having challenges that you can't get over and then getting over them. That's what growth is. Anybody? Nobody this calls having challenges. Hey, Bill, Curtis here. Uh -huh. What's up, Chris? You know, going back to what you said a few minutes ago, you know, I actually got with a guy that wanted me to do some cold calling on some local uh, probate leads that he actually got through all the leads. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. After about 30 minutes of making calls, I really felt like, crap, you know, not because of, you know, the end goal of what he was after, but having those conversations with people and trying to put myself in their position and wanting to, you know, what if somebody was calling me at that particular time while I'm trying to deal with all of these other things that they're focused strictly on the property and not really about helping me in my current situation. So I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. And, you know, it kind of led me down you know, this rabbit hole of wholesaling, I didn't like the traditional side of that, which basically got me to the point of how can I really help people, which, you know, in turn led me to uh, pre-foreclosure and probate, but going down a different path. So are you calling, the, the leads you're calling from all the leads were pre-probate or probate leads? 
they were, I believe, Bill pre-probate because I mean it. It was like immediately. Like I mean, the 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 individual hadn't been long passed at all. Like it was fresh. I just don't. I just don't like I the couldn't business. Do it. I couldn't do it. I could not do it, brother. I could do it. To be honest, you know, we all have different things. Maybe because I'm older than you. Maybe because, unfortunately, I lost both my parents and my wife's parents, um, and I've been through that process. Um, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I, I'm not saying I'm better than. I'm just saying, you know, we all have skills, and that's one I could do. But to what point? Like, why would you do it? Right. At least when they file probate, they're telling the world. I'm not ready to start dealing with these issues. Now, I would say it's different if I was a grief counselor or if I was you know, in a, in a smaller community, if I was in a small, I'm in Los Angeles, but maybe if I was in a small rural county, it might be different if I was a pastor or a, a you know, I'm not sure what the equivalent of a priest or a, rabbi or whatever, as well as being in real estate. And in my calling of life was to comfort people through that process. Right. If that's really your purpose, I think that's great. But right. if it's not, if it's just about getting real estate, what a slimy thing to do to me. They're not really ready to talk about it. Yeah. Um, right. And it was strict. Nothing else. It was what? It was strictly about real estate. Nothing else. Yeah, and, and look, I could, because of experience, help with grief counseling, because I've been through a few, unfortunately. Uh, I could help with funeral preparations. I've organized a couple. I could help with the spiritual process. I could help with the financial process. But I don't want, I, that's just not what I want to do on a daily basis. There's nothing wrong with it if that's what you do. Now, I'll say there are people who are, I don't know, funeral home directors or when I was at college, one of my friends, his father owned a chain of funeral homes. So now I want to say friends, one of my team members, we weren't friends. We didn't really get along that well. I didn't like the guy. I thought he was dishonest. Nothing to do with the business. He just was that kind of a guy. I think it's because his, his, his parents were very wealthy and raised him. He was a spoiled brat. That all said, I can imagine if we were friends, maybe I would be a, a funeral home sales rep. Right? They sell their services. They help people. They're people who feel that calling in their life and do that. God bless them. Somebody has to do that job. And please, they should do it well and comfort people. And by the way, if you have real estate, what do I do about the real estate? I don't know what to do with the house. It's not my name. So happens I'm a real estate agent. I can help you with that. Nothing wrong with that. If you're helping them, you're helping them. But if you're just there to get the real estate, to me, it's just... That's the problem with real estate. When you're chasing the check, this business is brutal. When you're helping people, it's fun. It's interesting. You know, yesterday I went to a networking event. Truly, it was not the most use, best use of my business time. I just wanted to be out with some people. I'm having, unfortunately, my wife's having some health issues. And it just turned out I had a block of time to be with some friends. And I went to a networking event with about 40 people. I knew a good chunk of them, including one of my good friends was there. In addition, my friends, Jack Lapidus was there as well. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, he was there, but he was also a friend. But it was nice to be out and see you know, real human beings. I enjoyed the process. And then they asked me to talk. I didn't talk so that they would let me sell their house. I didn't talk so that they would buy my coaching program. I don't have one to sell. I didn't talk so they would buy a house with me. I talked to try to help them. And it was so fun 
to help. And by the way, I got a couple leads yesterday. Like, I'm sure I got more leads than other people, not because for no, because I was a speaker. It's just natural. When you talk to more people, you have more opportunity for business. And I believe I focused on helping them. I didn't focus on how do I get the leads, right? And I think that's the key about real estate. So Chris, what you're saying, I think is right on. Uh, if you, if, if you have anything, my coach was Zig Ziglar, my first coach, uh, Zig Ziglar, who's passed. He used to say, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. People who just lost somebody are not looking to talk to a real estate agent to sell their house. If they are, they're going to be looking for you. They'll raise their hand. They'll go online, look for it. They'll call an attorney. They'll call somebody and ask for help. But to call them to me just seems so off track. Okay. Um, I'm going, I'll get my soapbox on that one. Curtis, thank you for bringing that up. No, appreciate that, Bill. Thank you, bro. And I love all the leads. And I don't mean to throw them all. I, I use them for their website. I bought them, my brochures to them. I used to be a subscriber to their data. I watch their coaching regularly. They're great people. That part of the business, I think, is off. Uh, and I think they also sell divorce data. A big mistake, I think, for them. They didn't ask me, so I'll just say. Because I think, again, that's just looking for commission checks. That's not really helping people. Right. And, and you know, I was uh, I, I wasn't, you know, upset with the guy in general. It was just it was just the approach, just like you were talking about. If it was the approach of actually helping someone, I wouldn't have had an issue with it at all. Yeah, look, I like I guess I saw this presentation by by um, uh, what's the name of the mortuary? I'm sure drawing a blank. Not Friendly Hills, uh, Forest Lawn. And she did a really nice job. Like, I, you know. I've I literally buried two parents and two in-laws, so I I know the I know the game, I know the process. But they show the properties and they have this little booklet with a checklist of things to think. It's really nice, and I could see calling people saying, "Hey, you know, we're we're a grief center, or we're a, you know, we help families who've lost people, and we have a booklet on things to think about at this time that might help you, a checklist, uh, and a list of resources, local resources, and let you send it to you." I think it's really nice. But to call and say, you know, you're looking to sell your house, about, and then the one I hate is when the, you, you cold call somebody. This is how I was trained at Mike Ferry. You cold call somebody, hi, you know, we're looking to, what do you think makes you sold in your neighborhood? We're calling to see if you, when do you plan on moving? And they say never. In the end, you ask, well, who do you know is looking to buy or sell a house? Asking a stranger for referrals, to me, that's just the worst thing in real estate. I just hate to do that. Okay, uh, Uriel says, new to real estate, her privilege is a great field to learn. What do you say is the first step to learn? Should I go and talk to an attorney or courts directly? Maybe title. Thanks for having me. This is my first Zoom with you. Thank you, Kurt, uh, Euro. I'd say do all that. Um, but here's the thing I always tell people. Take an inventory and use your resources. See, it makes no sense to start cold calling when you already know people who know, like, and trust you. How can you start with those people and bring them value? So, for example, I get this one a lot. Well, I'm young, Bill. I'm only 25 years old. All my friends are my age. Great. What better time to talk about the importance of starting to buy real estate as an investor earlier than right now to your friends who are 25? I wish I had a friend doing that when I was 25. I didn't. Or what better way to talk about the importance of family trusts so that maybe my friends get their parents into an estate planning program to protect the assets for the family, for those who are so, uh, so inclined. So I would say to you, what interests you, Uriel? Don't look for the, the path that's gonna get you the result. What excites you? Are you interested in 
real estate investing. Are you interested in, in helping people who pass without a plan? That's probate. Probably not. Are you interested in helping people avoid probate? Maybe. Find what you're, you do your own analysis of what you enjoy and share that message. Be an expert in that field with your database and you have more business than you ever know what to do with. That's a, a two minute answer to a, a 10 hour relationship question. I hope that helps a little bit. Um, somebody on the iPhone says, uh, sorry, the helper gets the listing, not the one looking for a buck. Exactly. Um, he says, wait to make major decisions about real estate and they most often come back to me. Okay, I don't know about waiting is the right answer or not. I think everybody has their own right answer. The key is to be real with them uh, and give them what they need. Horace says, thanks, great answer, thank you. And the different types of court hearings, which the one's most productive to attend? So Horace, it depends on where you do business. Each county has different schedules. Uh, I obviously like to see the court confirmation sales to learn from because I find them interesting and I learn a lot and I see different players. So usually when I go to a new county, I'll pull up their uh, calendar and look for court confirmation sales. Generally, that's the first thing in the morning, like the 8.30 or 9 o'clock calendar uh, will include like a lot of matters real quickly and then the court confirmation as well. Okay, other questions? I know I cover a lot here about your building your business or the timeline or any other question regarding building your real, your probate business. Again, if you're on the, that was, uh, Horace was coming in from YouTube. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to come in live with the chat or if it's after the call, if you're watching it recorded, feel free to put your questions there and I'll circle back to you and catch you uh, another time. But any other questions on what we talked about or anything in general? Anybody? No? Raise your hand, unmute yourself, put it in the chat box. Do I have a training course? <laughs> you know, uh, Clifton Green has to have a training course. So no, um, what I'll say is, uh, I think if you come on here every week and you watch the past episodes, I'm giving you more content for free than most programs will charge you for. Um, I think, uh, in, let's see, Clifton, where do you sell real estate? Where do you do business? What count, what city are you in? Connecticut. Yeah, so I, I don't know that I could really help you on the mechanics of probate in Connecticut. I don't know Connecticut laws, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to interview anybody who's outside of California. I love to interview attorneys for this channel. So I do have some upcoming guests booked already uh, on the call. I, next week I have a guy who does reverse mortgages. He was real popular, the week after that, in two weeks I have a, a, a probate-focused real estate investor. Two weeks after that, I have a, one of the top probate attorneys in LA, and then I have a real estate agent. So I try to rotate the guests and keep it interesting. But I also, on my YouTube channel, um, I interview attorneys all the time. I would love to interview any attorney in uh, outside California. I have a bunch of California I've been working with, but outside California. So, so to answer your question, Clifton, if there's an attorney you come across who does probate in Connecticut, I'd love to interview them. And it's a way that you can help create value for them is promote them uh, because I have a national following. And if somebody else on this call in California or any other state needs a probate attorney in Connecticut, we'll help promote them there. Um, Ed Garcia says, Nolo Press has several useful books 
I'm probably in plain English. Ed's an attorney and in my team as well. And yeah, Nolo is really one, I think the best company's material uh, on, on law for consumers and their books on probate are fantastic. I bought several. Um, I also bought the probate code uh, off of uh, Amazon. So those are great sources. But to answer your question for class, look, I think if you come here every week, that's an hour. You can watch a couple past episodes. I think you can put a couple hours a week in on content. Uh, I will, the other thing I also tell every realtor, if you would listen to the call right now, put in the chat box if you're a realtor primarily or an investor primarily, so I know the audience. But if you're a realtor, I always tell people, find out what your state-specific forms, if any, are. In California, we have a probate addendum for the purchase contract, a probate addendum for the listing contract, um, and then a probate purchase addendum. I hope I said all that right. Probate advisory, I'm sorry. And, and, I, and I'm surprised how many agents tell me they're probate experts and haven't read the forms. Just print them out, read them. Um, if, if you're in Connecticut, I don't know what forms you have and how that works. You might also ask your broker, do they have any specific probate disclosures or forms that you have to uh, complete? And read those. One of my rules is I will never have a customer read a form that I haven't read and I don't fully understand. Now, I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV. But it's interesting. All the forms are written in plain English. Almost all contracts are written in plain English or the language the person understands. And in fact, the probate code is also written by coincidence in English. So I don't think there's anything here that anybody here couldn't learn if you put the time in to read it, but you have to put the time in to read it. Okay, so some investors, realtor in Washington, another realtor in Washington. Joining me in Illinois, I would love to meet an Illinois attorney. John, if you have an attorney at probate and we want to help them do some business development, I would love to interview them for my channel. Uh, and Clifton is in the Connecticut, greater New Haven area. Very nice. New Haven, I think, is uh, home of the best pizza in America, as I understand it. Um, iPhone's a realtor. Uh, Trina is a realtor in Riverside. Trina, I think we talked earlier today in the IE. Welcome. URL is a realtor in LA County. Very nice. Okay. So that's my best advice is find out if you have any Connecticut specific forms. Talk to your broker. Uh, I'm not sure what company you're with. Uh, and then also find your, your association of realtors, see if they have a have probate specific forms for your contract addendums. They should, um, or there should be some best practices. The other thing, if you're a realtor, search in the MLS for probate listings. You'll see who the most active probate listing agents are. Read their listings. Learn how they put disclosures about probate in there. Copy them. They're not copyrighted. You're, you're welcome to copy the, the same material they use. So feel free to use their text in your probate listings, but also help you learn about probate real estate. Okay, uh, wrapping up. Any other questions, comments? Ed Garcia, what's up? We have another attorney. We have a couple of attorneys now on the call. Um, another one of my favorite attorneys. Ed Garcia, welcome, man. Hey, guys. What's going on? What's up? Ed's a real estate investor and agent and uh, attorney in Hawthorne, California. That's me. The industrial part of the South Bay. Home Blue collar, baby. Home of SpaceX. Very nice. Any other questions, comments? Who's got a problem in real estate I can help you with? Where can you find past recordings? So, uh, Anne asked my favorite question. Where can you find my past recordings? 
uh, if you go to episodes dot probateweekly.com, that's the playlist of all the today's episode and all the past episodes. Episodes.probateweekly.com, that's on my YouTube channel. You can put episodes.probateweekly.com. Because I use YouTube to leverage, to go back to building your business. You have a, I have a network, my Facebook group, you guys on this call, a database, you're on my database, and leverage. I use YouTube to leverage my database. Uh, Trina, do you want to discuss it now? If you want to talk about it now online, I'm all fine. It's up to you to decide. I don't want to break any confidence. But yeah, if you want to unmute yourself, I think that topic is a great topic to talk about. But yeah, uh, if you want to unmute yourself, we can, we can jump on that. Yeah, I can talk about it now. That's no problem. Great. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll put your camera on too or not? Um, I'm in the store. Let me see. You're well, just going to have all these people behind me. <laughs> you may not have good internet. If you're out about, you might not have good enough internet to put the video on. So uh, I'll okay. leave that to you. So go ahead and ask your question and I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to ask the question. I don't want to get anything that you're not comfortable sharing. Oh, wait, hold on a second. I don't know how to get this off. Trina had called me earlier or texted me earlier today with a question on a, on a case. And this is a kind of a common kind of case, a question that I get. And people, it's funny, when I see these in Facebook groups, there'll be, be real estate agents who I think are the, the realtor police. And they'll say, oh, you can't answer that because you're giving legal advice. I'm not giving legal advice, but I can answer questions about the business process. Uh, just because it's in the realm of a legal activity doesn't mean that I can't talk about the business. Uh, theoretically, everything is a legal aspect to it. I'll, and Ed, I'll let you be the official referee. If I start giving legal advice, throw the penalty flag on me, okay? Or Jack, <laughs> either one of you. I'll let you guys be the official referees. Trina, go ahead. What's your question? Okay. So my friend's mother, her boyfriend, she has had power, durable power of attorney over him for maybe the last five to eight years. Um, a month or so before he passed away, she deeded his property that's free and clear over to her son. So since his passing, the heirs have now um, opened probate, trying to get that overturn that that deed that, that uh, she had recorded. Right. So this is a common area that there there are legitimate cases, and then there's illegitimate, which you would call elder abuse, where once somebody gets older, a third party, you know, girlfriend. Um, caregiver, uh, undefined relationship, all of a sudden ends up claiming the right to a property. And then in this case, um, uh, when she passes, she deeds it to her son. And she has, in this case, an actual grant deed from the decedent to her, and then she deeded it to her, her son. That deed is notarized and properly formed. It just, there's no, there's no, um, Tile insurance. So the problem is, uh, the tile insurance company, if, if it wasn't done in associating with an, with tile insurance, it's almost it's almost impossible to get that deed to be considered by the title company. They'll either want all the parties to redo it, or they'll say, you know, that deed we're not willing to recognize it, and so you're kind of stuck. And so in this case, so we have we have a, a man who's sick. His girlfriend, 
has him deed her the deed, but it's not insured. The man dies and has heirs who they say they're entitled to the property, and this woman has deeded to her son. Her son unwittingly, that, Jack, this is what I was going to send to you, actually. So, because I know one thing I, I've heard you say is you don't represent the bad guy. And, and it might be that the mother is the bad gal. The hmm. son doesn't know anything about it. All the son knows is his mom said, this is a good deed, you own the property, and he got it. But the heirs, the children of the decedent, um, have filed what's called a quiet title action to force the changing of that deed. And the, uh, the son is unsophisticated. He's been living in the house, doesn't know anything about it. Um, does he know his mother did something wrong or not? I don't know. I would doubt it. I don't think normally no. mothers tell their sons that they, they do wrong. And I, my guess is if you talk to the mother, she'd tell you it's legitimate. He signed it to mm -hmm. her. That's probably good enough. So I, I don't know, I'm not assuming what she did was wrong. It may not have the force of law, but certainly her son doesn't think his mother stole the property. As far as he knows, he has a deed. He's been living there, you know, enjoying himself and paying the bills or whatever. So it's a, this right. is a case where certainly the son's not a bad guy. Maybe the mother was bad. Maybe the mother was not bad. Maybe she was unsophisticated and should have got title insurance and didn't do it and didn't get good advice. Maybe she knew what she was doing was wrong and took advantage of them. I don't know how to know that. So the, the heirs have opened a probate. They're stuck. This deed, they filed a quiet title action to try to force, to get the court to invalidate this deed so then they can finish the probate out. So the question is, there, there's a legal question which the court would have to determine, is this deed valid or not? So when you read the complaint, so when Trina read this to me, I went into the file and pull up the complaint. The complaint says that the decedent at the time was of questionable uh, dementia or not. Well, that's for the court to decide. That's a legal question. Uh, and there's several other issues that to me make it look like that deed's not going to hold up. And, and I'm not an attorney, so I, I would send it to an attorney and ask him what, what he thought as far as whether or not it could hold up. You have a $500,000 piece of property that two heirs are, say they're entitled to. There's another one who would get zero. So it's either the son's going to get all the 500000 or zero, and these other two heirs are going to either split the five hundred or get zero. So the question is, um, can the son fight the quiet title action or not? Or can an attorney negotiate a settlement and say, listen, you're probably going to lose. You don't really want to litigate. Let me at least call the other party and see if they're willing to give you some money to close it out. They may not give you the $500,000 house, but they might give you $100,000. They might give you... Uh, the right to live there for another five years rent-free or something. You, you can negotiate a solution perhaps with an attorney. So I, so my advice, Jack, which he needs an attorney, and the, of course the answer always is he doesn't have the money, so it has to be contingency. That makes sense? So those are the facts. If anybody wants to chime in, and, and Ed, you're an attorney as well, or any other attorney has any legal answers or questions, feel free to jump in. And this is a common case. I see this all the time. Uh, Clifton puts in, he puts a similar case in Texas. This one happens to be in California. So, Jack, I was going to send you the complaint on the quiet title action and the case number so you could re research it. Is that something you'd be interested to take a look at? Uh, yeah, I can, I can take a look at it. I don't know of any probate attorney that works on contingency basis, though. Actually, I do. Really? If it's a probate. Now, 
what I, it's what not, I don't. It's not really a probate matter. It's, I mean, it's, it is and it isn't. Uh, it may be in probate court, but it's really just a litigation. Well, it's both, right? There's there's a probate that's been opened, and they have an attorney, the heirs have an attorney, and it's quite a title action. They've already filed as well. So it's, it is kind of both. But I think the uh, to answer your question, Ed, most attorneys that do probate for a living do it because you can't collect the fees until the end anyhow. So they really are on a contingency in a sense. They just want to know they're getting it. I think what you what you meant to say, if I could if I could interpret you, is that you don't know many attorneys that do probate litigation on contingency, and and that is true. Though there are some that will, and the ones I know usually has to be of a minimum of a million dollar estate that there's assets on, so they're looking for a three hundred thousand dollar possible payoff or more, and um, and they want to you know vet the case pretty deeply. But if you know if you come across somebody who needs a probate litigation attorney. I can just, you know, again, see me and I'm, what I try to do is vet these cases and send them to the right attorney. And Jack is a guy who I send these kinds of questions to. And if he doesn't know, but he knows the right attorney, he'll just refer you to the right attorney. So Trina, I'm going to send it. It's funny, Trina. I didn't have time to talk to Jack. I called him and then he called me back and I was going to send him an email. I didn't have time to send the email. So I called, I texted you saying, I'll get back to you. Right. But I think I chance at least to talk to Jack now. I'm going to email it to him and we'll, we'll see if we can help you. And I'll, I'll kind okay. of play in the middle of that. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you have any Thank questions you, on that while, while we're here on the, on the call? Well, so part of mom's um, reasoning for doing it is boyfriend has been living in mom's house for quite a while because the house needs some, some extensive work. Right. And they've been together for probably over 20 years. Why she waited so long to transfer title, I'm not sure, because she said she had durable power of attorney. So I don't know if she was ill-advised or if she was really trying to do something else i'm not sure yeah and it, it's one of those things where it's hard to tell um at best she got some bad advice at worst at worst uh she's doing something wrong and it's hard to assess that so the mm -hmm. son didn't do anything wrong right right so so if jack is representing anybody he's representing the son not the mother so his i, I don't work with attorneys who want to represent the bad guy there are attorneys who represent bad guys all the time and, and try to make money at it and wonder why their life is so hard because it's hard Ooh. cheating. It, you can't, it's hard to, to sustain success cheating. But right. in this case, clearly the son's not a bad guy. He's at, at worst an unwitting recipient of something from his mother. And his mother might, like you say, she probably thought she was entitled and, and maybe she thought this was the way to effectuate it. And frankly, it's funny because I was talking to a, a, a professional in probate who does research he assumes that that deed is sufficient. It's reasonable to think if you have the deed signed and it was done, it was notarized, it was legal, uh, a, a reasonable person might think that's sufficient. It's only because I know that the title company will accept it because I sent it for prelim and they came back and kicked that back uh, on another matter recently that I know that they won't accept it. So it, 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 it's not unreasonable to, that the mother might have thought she did the right thing and just didn't get proper legal advice, saved some money on legal fees in the long run, might have lost a $500,000 house, right? Sure. Sometimes Very you true. can save a couple thousand dollars and lose $500,000 in the long run. So, okay, good. Well, Trina, thanks okay. for coming on. Thank you. And I get these kind of questions all the time. And if you have these questions, obviously you can reach out to Jack. He put his content in the, in the chat box or any other attorney you know, or go on my probate experts Facebook group and ask the question or reach out to me like Trina did. And I'm glad to try to help and find the right person to help speed up the answer. Um, and not all the answers are doable and not all of them result in commissions, but uh, I'm glad to try to help where we can, okay? 
but that's that's what my day looks like. It's a lot of fun. Um, okay, uh, L E U E L I E U Nina on the YouTube says, "Do you know if estate planning needs to be done with an attorney in the same state as where the person lives?" So what I will say is there's some legal restrictions, but I do also know that there are differences in different state laws. So if you're in California, um, we have different laws than say somebody in Florida. If you have a Florida estate planning attorney, they may or may not be up to speed uh, in, in California. They may have a license in California and they may or may not be up to speed in California in, to do a good job of it. Um, there's a service I've used, trustandwill.com, which is like an online estate planning that's inexpensive. But I would, but if you have sufficient assets, I would say, regardless of the legal issue, it just makes business sense to work with an attorney who's an expert in the state where the assets are. And I think that I know estate planning attorneys will um, will engage attorneys in those other states where major assets are. If you have a major estate with, you know, businesses and 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 real estate holdings in other states, they'll consult with attorneys in those states and make sure they have the right provisions that are appropriate for that state to maximize those laws because different states have different provisions and laws. So it's not just a matter of can an attorney work in multiple states, and there are many who are licensed in multiple states, but you might think about getting an expert in the state if you're paying. And look, we just talked about a case where this woman probably saved, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars or a couple hundred dollars in attorney's fees and did it on her own, and, and she passed, and she thinks she did the best she could to guarantee the asset for her son. Lo and behold, she saved a couple hundred bucks and she might lose a $500,000 house of legacy wealth for her son because she didn't get the right advice. So it's, it, one of the things I always say is it's never a problem until it's a problem. And we always, I, if there's one thing I'd like you to take away from this, well, it's two things. One is always find the expert in that field and work with them. It's a little more expensive, but a lot more valuable. And second, be the expert in your field. And you might charge a little more, but you're a lot more valuable to your customers and living that life is much more valuable than just being another real estate hack, right? That's the challenge here that we want to face. Okay, one minute, last, any quick questions, last questions before we wrap up? Hi, Bill. Yeah, here we go. Hi, yeah, quick question. Yesterday I found your page on Meetup around, I think it was like 1 a.m. Well, this morning actually. And I, I don't remember where I saw that you had a list of links uh, for trainings. Like one of them was from CAR and you had a couple other ones, but I don't remember where exactly I fell asleep. My laptop died. Uh, I was lucky enough to register for your, for your event. Um, but where is that? Where do you have those links at? Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I try to keep all up to date, but you know, with social media stuff changes, but my website, if you go to the LA probate the T H E L A for Los Angeles probate expert.com on the far right side, you see probate resources and I, everything I have is in there. So all the meetings and the data and, and reviews on my YouTube channel, and you'll find every, everything I have uh, there. So the LA probate. Awesome. Thank you. And if there's in particular looking for, just reach out to me directly, text me or email me, and I'd be glad to get back to you. I get a lot of questions like on Facebook, Messenger. It's kind of hard to keep track of those messages, and I find I respond to people like two weeks later. I'm sorry about that. Best way to reach me if you email me or text me. I'm, I I find it hard to believe there's so many real estate agents that need to hide their phone number and hide their email address. But feel free to email me and text me. I'd be more glad to respond. Okay. Hey Jack, thanks for jumping on today and, and helping.
Um, and uh, uh, Ed, always great to see you. Uh, Trina, thank you for bringing the question on. And the rest of you participated. Thanks for asking some great questions today. Really appreciate Curtis and, and all the rest of you. I can't remember all of them, but um, thank you so much for participating. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. next week. We're going to have Jason Eichmiller, who is a reverse mortgage specialist. The, the value there is he's dealing with people who end up in probate before they're in probate. He deals with some of the same title issues and estate planning issues we deal with. So really can give us, and I've interviewed him before, he gives a great perspective for building your business uh, but based on how he's built his tremendously successful business. So that'll be next week. We do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Eastern. We live stream it. If you register at probateweekly.com, you can come on the Zoom and ask questions live. You're welcome to watch it on YouTube and Facebook. Please like us there if you like it. Subscribe if you want more. Put comments there, I'll get back to you. Uh, go to the Facebook group, Probate Experts. That's free. Post questions there, and I'll see you there. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Bill Gross. I hope you like this video. If you want to join us live every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, register at probateweekly.com, www.probateweekly.com. And if you like this content, hit the like button and subscribe and hit notifications, and you get notified as soon as we upload every time. Thanks.